Welcome to Carney Pie. My name is John Brandt. Tony Purvis. Tony, what is that delicious beverage in front of you? Well, one of our guests was nice enough to bring us a little refreshing Bud Light to get us started uh, today. Not a sponsor, though. No, not, not an L. No, no, not a sponsor, nor and should they be. If they want to be, we'll take it. Uh, do you know what a warm fuzzy is? I Walk me through it again. Okay, a warm fuzzy. Uh, you didn't go to school with me, so you don't understand this, but uh, my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Wilcox, she would give you stickers uh, whenever you did a good thing for somebody else, and it was called a warm fuzzy. That's what this... No, we got a warm fuzzy today. We did get a warm we fuzzy. A warm do, fuzzy do you know today. why it's called a warm fuzzy? Because you feel nice and warm and fuzzy inside? Because you feel nice and warm and fuzzy inside. Have you ever had a warm fuzzy, Tony Purvis? I'm having one right now with this. With the beer? With the Bud Light. Okay, have you ever had one not associated with an adult beverage? It's going to have to take me a while to come up with uh, one Oh, Tony, that. you've done a good deed, haven't you? You would, you would hope life? so. Let me think about it. Let's okay. go. Let's no, get no, this no, started. No, 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 we're no, going to no, go back no, to no, it. No, no, no. No, this we know this. We don't talk <sighs> about ourselves in this podcast. So we're going to go. No, we don't talk about me. We, we always <laughs> talk about you. And what I want to talk about is something in your life, something that you ate maybe, sometimes when you eat, it can make you feel warm and fuzzy. We like a nice make, bread right out of no, the oven. No, the creme oh, brulee. smell it. Creme brulee, Thanksgiving. About two loaves. How, how long ago was Thanksgiving? A week ago? Two, no, two? no. There is no time in this thing. No, but it was a creme brulee perfectly made, mainly because I ran the blowtorch. Perfect. 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 Tony, perfect. All right. We have two guests with us today, as usual, and we're going to go first names only. Judy. Judy, you're to my left. Yes, I am. And Judy, who is to your left? This is Michael. Michael. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. I'm... Glad to be here. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, Michael. <laughs> Michael, who's to your left? Tony. Tony. <laughs> okay. See? Um, See, no, this is what horrible. this is what we want though. No, no. prep. This yeah, is no. how we want it. We're drinking buddies. This is great. This is we'll be okay. best friends by the end of the podcast. Michael, did you ever receive presents growing up? I did, yes. Yeah. What was your favorite present you ever received growing up? It was around, it was a Christmas present. Good. I, I had my eyes set my heart set on a schwinn stingray bicycle purple like a okay oh i have you're gonna have to help me here michael i have Wee herman's bicycle stuck in my head the, is this the banana different? seat yes the raked handlebars okay the whole nine yards like strings on the side or what streamers oh probably did have them. something that went around in the spokes and made noise <clears throat> yes a bell I, what yes. color was it, Michael? Purple. Purple. Like Perfect. deep purple, lavender, yeah. like that. Just, just that, pure. That pure purple. Deep purple, ice. like the rock band. Minnesota deep purple. Vikings, just purple. Oh, Vikings. Okay. okay. And that's what you wanted? That's what I wanted. Did you get it? No. Oh. Parents kept Said. telling me, your purple gift is coming. Your purple gift is coming. <sighs> and Christmas morning, it was snowing. We yeah. Still, we still had snow at Christmas back then. Yeah. And uh, I went out to my dad's van because that's where my purple gift was. And the van was big enough to hold a bike. So I was convinced there was a, my bike was in there. Opened the doors to the van and there was an old English sheepdog puppy. Dyed purple? Not dyed purple. (laughs) I think she did have a purple collar on. But that was the best gift. The puppy? The puppy. What was the name? Uh, Cassie. So you never got the bike? Never got the bike. But you wanted the bike. <laughs> I wanted the bike. And your parents said, you don't really want a bike. Well, we re- can do better than a bike. Exactly. I How think, old were you? I think they wanted a dog. Uh, I was, I think it was eight. Perfect. Why is that such a good year? Eight years old. What happens? Uh, There's not, a transition. I'm not sure. There's a transition from like kid stuff to grown up stuff. And like, it's just a... There's still an innocence left. It's just a neat age, eight years old. Judy, what was your best gift? You've had time to think about it. I'm sure I was eight too, right? Um, I'm sure you were. We were all eight at some point, Well, I was a kid from the 70s. So in the 70s, you know, you had three channels. And so every Saturday morning there were cartoons on, and they would just blast you with all kinds of toy commercials leading up to Christmas. Did you have a Stretch Armstrong? My brothers did. Oh, of course. Yeah. But they stretched it too much and it popped and it oozed the goo it or happened. whatever. It yeah, happened. it happened. So in the seventies, all these commercials, three channels. I wanted a chatty Kathy. So <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait, I I need to know. It's a doll. Wait, yeah, I was going to say, what's a Chatty Cathy? It's a doll. What does a Chatty Cathy do? The cool thing about Chatty Cathy is she had no strings. So you would lift up her arm and push your belly button, and that would start the tape recorder. (laughs) And you could say whatever you wanted to into her. Speaker entirely appropriate, I'm sure. I'm sure it was entirely entire life of Chatty Cathy. And then Kathy. you'd put her little arm down, and then you'd push her belly again, and she would repeat what you just recorded. So did it we, work? It was fun. Really, Great time. Yeah. So we you did get that. Was it a Christmas birthday? My birthday's four days after Christmas, so it probably was a blended gift. Did your parents do that? They tried not to, but once in a while yeah, they would. I mean, you have to. Yeah. You have to put them together. Yeah. Um, what was your first children's book that you remember, Michael? Wow. Um, I want to say Curious George. Curious George. Anything in particular? Just that damn monkey. The damn monkey. (laughs) The man in the yellow hat. Yeah, he was extraneous. Why was Curious George? What was wrong with Curious George? Why is it a bad thing? He would always get into shenanigans, right? He always got in trouble for trying new things. What's wrong with that? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't either. I think that's a horrible lesson to teach children. I think we should ban ban, uh, Curious George books. I'm being facetious. Judy, uh, what was your favorite children's book growing up? Yeah, I have to go with the Curious George series as well. It was, I Wait, loved monkeys. You guys' stuff is kind of similar. Are you guys similar? I, in, I can switch to Babar if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, are you guys similar in age group? Yeah, I think I'm I a little so. bit older. Okay, what yeah. generation, uh, as the media uh, you know, pronounces you, what generation would you say you're from? Do you know? I'm definitely Gen X. Gen yeah, X. I'm right on the edge. I'm right on the Gen I'm, X. I'm so we're two Gen, Gen X. Oh, Gen X is okay. I am a bridge millennial, and this young man is a millennial sitting across from me. So right here, we have an entire Which, century's worth of people. There we go. Nice. I really take offense to the millennial. I, we've had that also in prior. <laughs> You're not totally a, fan, a millennial. Not a big fan of it, but no. Okay. And I take offense to the century. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, the oldest in the room. Judy, um, where'd you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in Mead, Kansas. It's a small town in southwestern Kansas by the Oklahoma border. Uh, grew up the Oklahoma Panhandle border. Yes. Okay. Yeah. How far is the Panhandle? Because you look at it on a map, it looks like an inch. You're thinking like forty miles. Is it like forty miles? I don't know. I just. It's, I bet you're close. I bet it is. Could yeah. you run across it? Do you have red dirt? Did you have red dirt down there? They or was did. that? Or was that more eastern? Yeah, it was more southern. Southern. South of us, I guess, but very Western. Everybody had a pickup truck. Back in the day, you would bring your guns to school. So all the gu- cool guys had gun racks because they would hunt either over the lunch hour or after school. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry. You brought guns to school? We did in the day. There was just not, and you'd leave your, your and then, and truck again, doors I'm unlocked. a millennial. We actually had that in, we were, I was Southwest Nebraska, and we still had that. Now, we finally, this was towards the end. I think my junior, senior, we had a kid bring it had it in the rack and actually parked right against the entrance like right by he was a shop kid and the principal would just walk out and be like don't no you just put it down just put it under the seat and i'm like wait now we're concealing the weapon at school do you want to out this person and get them arrested i don't know what the statute <laughs> no, i mean it was just it was, legal it was just then. what you did yeah nobody nobody cared um and you had we're guns not, in your truck yeah did you take him into the school? Is that what you were saying? No, no. I, oh, that was okay. no. That was our prior guest that took you guns did. in the school. Michael did. I did that once. Yes. Okay, like a I, hunting <laughs> weapon or uh, this uh, took a turn. Mossberg shotgun. Just to set uh, in the locker, you didn't want to get cold. No, or what I, were we I doing? Was, I was giving a speech about oh, okay. oh. how to clean a how to clean a shotgun, and so I, yeah, I mean, I had it broken. Gotcha. And it does, but I was well, just walking down the and everybody's like, oh. Hey, yeah. there's Michael. Exactly. Good I wonder morning. what Michael's up to. Well, he's got a shotgun. Hey. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go back to teaching English now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Okay, so you grew up down by the Oklahoma border in Mead, Kansas. Yep. And did we say how many people were there? About 2,000. 2,000 people. That's a good one. One stoplight. One stoplight. Yeah. One stoplight. Uh, let's see. You probably didn't get a McDonald's then. We did not. We got a Sonic before I left and a Pizza Hut. So that was big news. That's that's good. Yeah. That's good. So yeah. Mead, Kansas. Uh, how did you graduate from Mead, Kansas? I did, and I went to Kansas State, third generation. How far does it take to get to Kansas State? Five hours. So it's still a ways. It it wasn't a suitcase kind of thing. So you went over to uh, Kansas State, and what did you major in? I am a journalism and mass communications major. Hey, that's good. I like the PR and the advertising marketing piece of it and like to write. So Maybe that would come up in your future later on. We'll find out. So you're at Kansas State, and uh, you graduate from Kansas State, I presume? I did. And yep. then what happened? 
Yeah, so my first job was with the Kansas Lottery. They were my account, and I worked for an ad agency out of school. And they actually placed us in the Kansas Lottery office in Topeka. And, uh, you know, it was a fun job, but it was also kind of uh, challenging because our job was to promote gambling to people that obviously just wanted a chance at bettering themselves. And a lot of time they shouldn't have been wasting their food money on tickets. And so it was kind of a gut decision that I needed to do something different. And I had an opportunity to move to Kearney, Nebraska. How did you get that opportunity to move to Great Kearney, Nebraska? How did it happen? Yeah. So my boss at the ad agency moved up here. His account was the Coleman family camping people out of Wichita. That's where it was started. The lantern and tent and cooler people. And they had a, a generator manufacturing plant in Kearney, Nebraska that made camping generators as well as industrial and commercial generators. And I thought, heck, I'm not married. I have no kids. Why not? So How came, old are you? 22? I'm 23 now. 23. And so come up here, no, absolutely no one except my boss from Kansas and just fell in love with the place. I actually fell in love with the kid from Shelton and and uh, just stayed here ever since. But love the opportunity. It was a it was a man's world out there, you know, but we got to go to hardware shows and show our product. And I actually got to travel internationally, which was fun. Are you so, doing sales at this time? Or are you doing I'm still something? doing marketing. I, I started to in marketing PR and moved into product management. So okay. I would help with the design of the product and the signage and the packaging and went over to Italy uh, to bring over a pressure washer that we imported, which was kind of cool. So for a young person, it was an awesome way to get started and to travel. And so, you, okay. So. so you're traveling. How long were you at Coleman? I was there uh, about eight years and then uh, went over to Baldwin Filter and did some um, product management for them, brand management with Hastings Filters. It's more of the consumer. And um, liked that job as well, but they asked me to come back, which was a, you know, a nice opportunity. And as soon as I got there, we got sold. Mm. And we had to apply for our jobs to, to stay. And that lasted for about two years. And then they came through and said, we're not making that much money. We need to cut, cut people out. So they cut our jobs out as well as some factory folks. Did you like the marketing side, the the advertising, going to the trade shows? Did you like the project management side? What was what was the more fun side for you in that? Oh, that's great. I think I think just uh, it was different every day. I, I, I like that it was uh, working with other people, probably the product management, working with the engineers, the black and white people. We were the colorful frustrating people to them because we thought outside the box we thought and they were very black and white and so it was kind of fun to to see a product come from something that was sketched out to actually be on the shelf that's pretty cool judy i know you earlier you mentioned having brothers yeah uh, for stretch armstrong um, that's called a callback to <laughs> stretch go. armstrong and so do you have other siblings just two brothers i'm the oldest okay yeah. so you're the oldest two younger brothers did they stay in kansas they did yeah. they did and mm-hmm. um so you're up here you're traveling all over the world. You're with two very large corporations. You're coming back to Coleman after leaving for Baldwin Filters for a little while and coming back. And then you're... Uh, the job disappeared. I mean, the irony yeah. is I'd heard... It, it's almost like uh, they were all cloaked in black, you know, hooded. <laughs> they were going to make, you know, some kind of a death thing almost. It, it was a panic. that You saw them coming. They'd start in the factory and then they worked at the office. And I was already involved with United Way. Pat Monroe was a mentor of mine, and uh, I started to call her. I said, we're going to need a jobs fair. They're cutting jobs out here. And they started to knock on my door just as soon as I hung up. I was one of the cuts. So it was very humbling. It was something I didn't see, but it was actually a blessing. I had a young family, and it allowed me to take a step back and not travel so much. And um, somebody had seen my volunteerism in the community and said, you should try this community foundation job. I think you'd like it. And I thought, oh, I'll try it for a while, and that's been 18 years ago. So You've been there 18 years? Yeah. Okay. And all because you got laid off. Basically, yeah. I mean, at, at this Probably would have taken a sold. chance otherwise, yeah. Some people made decisions, and then you ended up with this job. I assume you love this job. I love this job. I, I thought it would just be fun for a while. Well, my kids were little. They were both uh, not even in school yet, so five and three, and I thought, oh, I'll try it for a while. But gosh, it... It's fun. It's well, we got job. to your job, so we might as well talk about it. This is Judy Sickler. And Judy, what is your job? What do you do? So I'm the president CEO of the Kearney Area Community Foundation. Those so are great words. They're big words. They're big words. Yeah. I want to know what they mean. What what? It sounds great. And then I don't know what it does. So yeah. what does it do? So what it, 
how I describe my job is I work with dreamers. I work with people that love this community and want to see it improve, and they have a certain passion, whether it's dogs and cats or renovating a theater or creating a park. And I try to help them uh, make that a reality, whether it's helping them put together a group of board members or advisory boards or go after grants or find donors. I also work with donors that want to invest in the community and make it keep it the way it is or even help it even get better. So, so many people are at the foundation. We have three paid staff and two interns. And you and said them. How many them are you talking about? You said the groups you're helping out. How many are you helping? Well, it can be anybody off the street that comes in and says, how do I do this? Oh, so it's not a partner group. It's not like where you have, have to register with them or is we it? We have funds underneath us. So okay. somebody will come in and say, um, this happened and I want to make a difference. Uh, how do I create some sort of a nonprofit. So they set a fund underneath us, and then we help kind of provide an umbrella so they can act as a nonprofit. We help them, you know, maneuver. It's it's a crazy world out there to make sure they do things properly. Um, and some of them grow up and don't need us anymore, so we're kind of an incubator. Um, is that the goal, though? I that, mean, is the goal? That would be the end goal. That's yeah. the end goal, right, is to get them self-sufficient enough that you can move on and help the next group. Is that kind of the idea? I think it's a two prong that plus you've got people that just have an idea and it's going to go away eventually and they don't need to go through all the hassle of setting up a nonprofit corporation and all that. So the groups don't have to have the, is it 501c3? Is that? As long as it's charitable, we'll work with them, but we have to take on a lot more responsibility to do our due diligence and be a fiscal agent and, and all that. So um, but it's kind of the philosophy of Carney to help those kind of folks. Not every community foundation looks the same, but that's kind of something we've taken on, and, and it really has played well for us. Okay. That sounded really technical. <laughs> so I want to break it down <laughs> for me, please. Uh, okay. So I like the incubator thing. So these people have ideas, and we'll call them eggs, and maybe we'll talk about eggs later. But we're talking <laughs> about eggs, and they have these inc- the, these eggs that need to hatch into better, bigger things. And these eggs come to you and say, we have this great idea. We don't know what to do with it. How do you help those people? Do they just call you? I mean, is this how it works? Is this like, hey, I'd really like to support this happening in this community. Can, yeah. can you help me? It's it's unbelievable. I mean, you have to be broad-minded and open-minded. Uh, and you don't, I don't want to be a dream killer. Right. Just because it's not my dream or my passion, I got to make sure that I'm a a conduit for that. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's all fun because these folks want to do it. They've got the passion to do it. And so I just try to help them make connections and help them with some sort of a structure. Like a John Bokenkamp walked into our office and said, I want to save this world theater. And we're like, really? I mean, it's, yeah, he had vision, he had passion and darn if he didn't get it done. Very much so. So there's a lot of those stories. It would surprise you that as far as how the community foundation has helped incubate them, encourage them. Is this limited? To, it says Kearney area. So is the, what's your area for Kearney area? Uh, pretty much Buffalo County. I mean, we have some accounts in Garden County. Uh, we go as far north as Litchfield. So there's a group up there that races go-karts, and that's how they raise money for their community, whether it's for fireworks or radios or for their fire department or whatever. We go as far south. We used to be in Norton County, Kansas, and now they're independent. They grew up, and, and they're their own Norton County Community Foundation. And then we go as far east as Shelton. We start to bump into the Grand Shelton Island. kids. Shelton kids again. Yeah. Yeah. So we start to run into the Grand Island Community Foundation at that point. Okay. And they, what I'm hearing is somebody has a good idea. They come to you. You go, okay, this has worked for people who tried to do that in the past, or these are connections of people that might be able to help you with things. This is, this is the way we help you do what you are trying to do to help the community. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm surprised every day. I just had a call from a gentleman that wants to help folks in the jail system get a GED. Uh, you know, it, it's it's people that see a little piece of our community. We think it's perfect here, but they see something that just isn't getting done and they want to see it get done. So they don't necessarily have to go out and get a big fancy 501c3 or a corporation, but they want to raise a little bit of money to help something happen. So I can help them with partnerships and structure. Right, with some, something like that. There might be an organization already out there that does that. That's in that wheelhouse. Of, that's my first go. I right. don't want to duplicate things, so I did say, "Did you talk to the right. literacy council? Did you talk to the community 
college. And so I help them kind of look at some different avenues too. Some of them never take off because it's, it, they don't need to happen. They didn't know it happened already in our community. So I make those connections. So part of what I like is to try to understand a little about everything in the community so that I can help send people that direction. I mean, I have the answer, but I can send them down. You're an idea conductor. Thank you. That's a nice title. Thank you. Yeah. And that's what you do is you take the ideas and you get them where they need to go and you help how better the community because of those ideas. Yeah, that's a great way to sum it up. Thanks. All right. Um, how do you get funded? Well, that's always the challenge. Uh, us personally, as the community foundation? Yes. Yeah, so all those different groups underneath this, we charge a little admin fee um, just to keep our lights on. We also get some grants. Um, we're only 23 years old. Are we? 27 years old. So I got to do my math real quick. 28 years old. We're going to be 29 next year. So uh, how do we um, raise money or make those connections with corporations that um, want to invest in the community? So we just met with the Peter Kiewit Foundation, a big foundation out of Omaha, and just connected them with some people in the community that are dreaming of some cool things and, and see if that's a fit for them, for them to do some funding. So some of them don't ever get to that level, but we try to help make those introductions. Uh, what do you love about Carney? Assuming, well, I never asked you, do you love Carney? I love Carney. Okay. What do you love about Carney? I love Carney because I think it's like the small town I grew up in, but yet it's bigger and there's just more opportunities. Um, you know, maybe there's a change of tide. I don't know. I, I find there's more and more people that I don't know, which is kind of refreshing too, that that means there's new blood. There's new people coming to town. Uh, but I do see a lot of familiar faces. Um, so it's big enough that we can get some things done. We have some culture here. We have some art. We have awesome places to eat. There's just so many things that happen at, at a in a community this size. And I love that we play well together. I think there's a genuine spirit of working together. Um, and we don't have silos here. We we really do. Can you give work. us an example of that in the nonprofit, in your world, of the how Carney's different in terms of playing together and how they support each other that might not be what you see in other communities? Yeah, so um, there, a great example is the Carney Cultural Partners is here in town, and it's a group of arts and museums and cultural different agencies, and they get together once a month and just kind of dream out loud, what, what if we did this together? Um, what if we promoted this type of event and we all threw in some energy, whether it's resources of money or time or whatever. And sometimes that takes away from their own vision and their own purpose for their one agency or their one organization. But they're finding if they can work together, it's stronger for our community, it's better for our community. So they share calendars so they don't have overlapping events and and they look at some synergies. And so that's something that's very grassroots and you won't see that work in a lot of communities. Do you know something then that came out of that that's visible in the community? Is like Art and Park or the Sunday concert or anything like that? Um, I think there's some things, and I'm going to use the wrong terminology because I don't go to all their meetings, but um, there's some family arts types of events where they have all these different groups show up and help, and uh, I think it moves around the community, but I, I'm sorry, I'm not up to speed on No, that. no, that's okay. What I'm, What's striking me is that there's a spirit of cooperation even among agencies who might have similar interests or issues. Um, there's a spirit of cooperation as opposed to competition. Exactly. And, and the shared calendar thing, that's something so basic, right? Let's not have the same party on the same day because then we're splitting the people that can go to both parties. It's kind of a respect thing. I think it... Um, it reflects our values as far as um, where did where did those come from? I mean, how how did Carney get that spirit of not stepping on each other's toes as opposed to a cutthroat kind of get at you thing? Which is what I assume you see in most communities. Well, I mean, they're competing most, for well, but, well, yeah, because they're competing for the same money. I mean, these agency partners, or is that what you call? I don't what do they call, them, but they're competing for the same dollars from the same donors, and so. If you have these people sharing these ideas and then, but the group over here, the group A does the program that, you know, group B helps support, you know, we're, they're taking, they could be taking donations, but group B is okay because it makes Carney a stronger community. And yeah. I think that's what's different. I think that's where the, um, the culture and, and maybe you can, um, I don't know where it came from. I'm, I'm not new enough, but I'd be curious how long it's been going. And well, I think it reflects their values as, as individuals. They're respectful. Um, they're intentional. Um, I think they try to complement as opposed to compete. So what I was hearing in some meetings I attended is 
here's our vision, here's where we're strong at, and somebody to say, here's what we can do to complement that. So we don't have to duplicate it, but here's what we can bring to the party. And pretty soon you see people nodding, the body language is opening up, you know, and pretty soon they have a big event and, and there's a lot of different people around the table. I, well, I think it's been that way. You look at historical things. You look at the historical society here in Kearney and you look at those old photos. There's Kearney can do. There's things like that of of some spirit of we're here in the middle of the middle of the middle of America and we're going to get things done. And and I, I just think that it's probably been here for generations, I would think. I think so. Uh, of just, okay, well, we're too far away from Omaha. We're too far away from Denver. We got to rely on each other. We're going to all get this together ourselves. And, and there's something to that. I don't know what it is. We've got a few more of these to figure it out. Um, what are your big events, Judy Sickler? Well, next week is the biggest event well, for well, us. We were outside of time. You have to remember that. December 6th is our... <laughs> no, 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 no. Sometime, sometime, uh, sometime after Thanksgiving, yeah. usually. You have a give where you live. We have a give where you live. The first Thursday of uh, December, no matter what year it is, uh, we have give where you live. We're the conduit, we're the host, we're the coordinator, however you want to call it, uh, powered by. And this is a concept that actually we watched Lexington, Nebraska. They were one of the first ones in mm. the nation. Um and watch how they did it, and it made a huge impact on their small community. What are you doing when you do this? So we basically are just promoting giving on that 24-hour time. We do open it up so people can give online before that. But we're just wanting people to stop and think about giving back to their community and give where you live or grew up or uh, work. And it's just taken off. It's really changed the pattern of giving in this community. Um, and I think it's making people uh, – stop and be exposed to other things they might go in thinking i only like dog and cat type of funds and pretty soon it's almost like a candy store mm. they go in there shopping for one thing and they find all these other neat things i'm totally guilty of that by the way candy no, well the candy oh, okay. and, and or, also, or giving to other things <laughs> no also you're going in there and you're like oh well uh you know kennesaw needs a help with their public library you're like well, i can give 20 bucks to that yeah you know it's... and that just happens in my head and you know what you get when you do that tony what's up what are we talking about? The warm and fuzzy. You get the warm oh, fuzzy ah, when you, you do it. You get the warm fuzzies. You do it and you're like, okay, well, I helped them a little bit. And then when they, they give their promotion on Facebook or wherever and they're saying, you know, we raised enough money. Now we're going to be able to add on to the library and we're going to have these many more books. You're like, I helped with that. So when did this start? When did Give, give Where You Live start? Yeah, we started six years ago. So 2013 was the very first year we did it. Uh, so 18 will be the sixth year. And uh, it's just grown exponentially. It's, it's been fun to watch. What has the growth been? I mean, where did it start first year? How many people were in it? Do you remember any of those numbers? Yeah, I think we were lucky to have 100, maybe 99, 98 the first year. Um, and I think we raised a quarter million. I, those those numbers are fuzzy. I don't really look at the numbers. I just yeah. look at success. Do you, you remember know? one of the impact that came out of that first year that really you went, this is why we're doing that. This impact that the Give Where You Live made an impact on this group. This is why we're doing it. Well, I think Carney Whitewater is a great example where Absolutely. they really got launched yep. at that that very first year, and it's just grown since. Um, they're actually going to do something now. Tony, I, g I gave to that. There oh, you go. You. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the first thank you. No, but it's a cool idea. It's something like a Whitewater, right? Carney Whitewater. They're like, okay, these are happening in other communities. We have this canal that runs through. We might as well do something with it. I mean, that right. came out of somebody's idea, right? Yeah. And they're not a 501c3. They never will be. You know, it, for their purpose, it made sense to be underneath our umbrella. Once they're done, they're done. They'll wrap up and go on to doing something else. And so it's a great example of a group of very passionate people that first worked on pulling old cars and trash out of the canal, made it recreational, friendly, and now they're looking at expanding it and making some whitewater features so that we attract tourism and, and all kinds and of something things. like that and not to focus on this too much but just simply because it's under your umbrella a little bit i mean you have to go to the city council right you have to go to the government you have to say okay guys i know this is going to sound weird but we got this idea to do this thing you have to go to the people who own the canal and get the permits to do that they have to talk about liability all these crazy things that lawyers bring up and and then they got to figure out how to make it work and somehow this community just says, okay, how can we help make this work once there's some buy-in? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm to be honest, I'm sure there's frustration it didn't happen faster or sure. it wasn't easier. But again, it's that can-do spirit and just some patience and working together. And it, I think a lot of times you'll find in Kearney that you don't have to be the champion of it as long as it gets done. 
you know, who, who cares who gets the credit. the credit for it. And so I'm finding that with a lot of groups in town that they just want it done. Yeah. And they'll help get it done. They've got the passion. They've got the manpower. They're willing to work, roll up your sleeves. I think you find that's kind of unique to Carney too. We're not just a check riding community. We actually do the work. Uh, I think that's refreshing, and that's why I think it's kind of magical. Something we've discovered on some other ones, There's, you're talking about uh, new faces and melting pot. You know, the college, they have kids who are able to help with some of these things, right? So that's some of that manpower. I don't know. Have you benefited from that at all? Oh, I think some, uh, especially the kiddos that want to stay here. Oh, sure. They see some magic. Um, and I'm from a rural community. Like I said, I, I don't want to steal their youth and I want them to go back and help their community strive too. But I think we are a place where people come to go to school and then they end up loving it here and they don't leave. It has it's a not target. It has a target, Tony. It's great. It's great. What more do you need? Uh, so uh, if I'm in an organization and I want to be part of Give Where You Live, how do I do that? Do I talk to you? Do I? Yeah. So uh, uh, the summer before the the event, we start to put out press releases and reach out to our network and um, just open it up. As long as 80% of the money stays local, we'll let you participate. Um, and for some, that's a struggle, to be honest. Yeah. So some of them can't, can't play with us. But. We are going to go a little into time. How many are we expecting this year? Can we ask? So for 2018, there'll be 161 organizations. So you've doubled. So you've doubled the amount almost, of people. Yeah. Almost doubled. Yeah. And I'm assuming more than doubled the donations, so. though. Yeah. So last year was 845,000. Wow. So there's a little bit of a murmur. Can we hit a million? I mean, that's scary for me. I hate that goal to be out there, but wouldn't that be cool? That'd be, I, mean, I promise be, to do a cartwheel if we do it. So. Tony, <laughs> Tony, write him a check. All Just right, get it we'll done. get there. Let's we'll get, get there. Done. Get it done. So what other uh, things do you do? I also know there's something that you do that involves alcohol and uh, good, soothing music. Podcast, where she brings Bud Light and we play <laughs> Nancini, right? Don't tell my secrets. It's Friday. Um, yeah, so for years we used the Wine and Jazz Festival as a way to raise money for the community. Um, we're probably going to back away from that. Okay. We, uh, we took a look at it as a... Uh, board and as a staff and um, felt like it was kind of a mission drift for us. Okay. We, we're not really in the event. Uh, the party planning, uh, we, if we do take so much of your t- energy for that, you can't do these other cool things. So, so so maybe another group that might be a good fit for. Yeah, we, we took it over from the Visitors Bureau. Maybe it's time for someone else to take sure. it over and, and expand it from there. Well, wonderful. What else is good about Carney, Tony? Don't call, put me on the spot. This is not about us, John. It's about Henry Mancini. It's about Henry Mancini. So it's always about. One and only sponsor. <laughs> it's a fabulous, fabulous. I'm still position. waiting for the check to come in from that one. The check? Yeah, from him. From, from his, Henry. From his uh, uh, estate. Estate, yeah, of course. Well, maybe. I don't know. Do I have to Google it? Look it up, Tony. Look it up. I don't know whether he. I don't know. Anyway, we're here with Michael Park. Is that right? That is correct. And uh, Michael, what do you do? Well,. I do many things, but uh, I think I'm here. I run, own, and operate the uh, food truck and the food truck cafe here in Kearney. It's so, so good and so popular with a lot of, you have very devoted people there. I believe so, yes. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But right now, I want to know where you're from. I actually grew up here in Kearney. I was born in Omaha, Nebraska, and moved here in... I believe 1976. 
Did you go to elementary school here? I did Northeast Elementary, Bobcats. Go Bobcats. Go Bobcats. And you went to elementary school here? Did you graduate from Kearney High? I did. And then what'd you do? Then I went to the University of Nebraska in Lincoln, and I majored in English and political science with minors in history, philosophy, and German. All right, we need to get from there to what you do <laughs> somehow. I don't know and, how we're going to get there. And there is a but road. I want to hear oh, no, this. There we go. There Tony, we go. It's philosophy is how he got there, but go ahead. Uh, and uh, honestly, how I got, got to where I am, uh, the morning of the LSATs, which you're familiar with. I am, yeah. I really was soul-searching and decided what do I want to do with my life. I had cooked all throughout uh, my college career in various restaurants in Lincoln and and, you know, I, I just came to a realization that this is really what I love to do and why. On the morning of the LSAT. On the morning of the LSAT. <laughs> what time of year is this? This is uh, this is uh, late fall. Late fall. So you're just sitting there in the morning. You're supposed to go down to this cold auditorium and take and a test I, that measures your brain. Exactly. And you said, I don't. Did you take the test? I did. Uh, but then I, I just, I really decided, you know what, I want to go to, I want to go explore this. And, and so I started looking at, uh, culinary schools. Where'd you uh, go? I went to the New England Culinary Institute in what? Montpelier, Vermont. Uh, I know from my fifth grade education that that is the capital of Vermont. It is. Thank Can you. you name one other fact about <laughs> Vermont? Uh, the entire, uh, nope, nope, non-political. We don't uh, go there. We don't go I can't there. say it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Ben and Jerry. Am I wrong? I have no idea. No, I think I'm not totally right. I, I actually worked for ben, at Ben and Jerry's for a little while. Uh, wait, can we what? hear that? Okay, let's, uh, no, 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 no. I want to hear a little no, bit no, about. I want to know why he chose uh, Montpelier, Vermont. Um, I liked this. The, the actually, I liked the the school and their their whole ethos. What was their um, ethos? Uh, really, uh, their student body was older. So most people were transitioning from one career to another. Uh, and it, it, it was just, it's that whole Vermont hippie vibe from the 60s and 70s, you know, laid back, but we're going to get the work done and we're going to, we're going to do things um, by, you know, we're going to do things the, the correct way. Mm. And it, this is a process and we're not going to skip steps. That's, that's really what I liked about it. So how many years is culinary school? Uh, two years. So you go to culinary school in Vermont? In Vermont. And then um, how long before you met either Ben or Jerry? I actually never met either Ben <laughs> or Jerry. How long until you were, did, were you, when you get off the plane for Montpelier, were you handed a cup or how did you become familiar with their I, ice I was, cream? I, I got there a little early uh, because um, I was going to be, you know, I, I needed to find an apartment sure. and, and so on. And so I was looking for a job, and uh, I found two jobs that I did before school started. I worked at Ben and Jerry's, and I made the Rainforest Crunch candy. I'm not familiar. That, it was it was a thing they would buy all the fair trade nuts from uh, Central and South America and turn it into this candy, this toffee candy, and put it in some of their ice creams, but. It's it was awesome. it was just making candy. You've had this. It's good. Is it still exist? I, I think, I think so. it may. Yeah. You did, wait, 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 you didn't. Wait, you didn't bring some. No, I, I, I apologize. <laughs> does, it, does it come in the little pints? I think so. I, I think it does. It's rainforest crunch ice cream. Okay, I've never but, seen but it. They sold the candy as well, and the candy was it was really a, a, an interesting thing because uh, like a brittle is what I'm hearing. It, yeah. Okay. Um, but it was mass produced, so but it was still made by hand. So we would. You know, cook it in the, the sugar and the nuts in these big copper kettles, pour it onto these tables that had hot or cold running water through them and roll it out, then run it through a metal detector because you never right. know. Uh, so that was interesting. And my other job was just as equally interesting as I was processing uh, tax returns for <laughs> the state of Vermont. <laughs> Oh, wow. So I could, at, at one point I could have told you what Michael J. Fox made, but <laughs> I had to sign an NDA. So those are important. Um, so did you have those jobs at the same time? Were you were you rainbow brittle I, by I, morning? I, I did. Yes, I did. How, how? Okay. So I'm what I'm learning from you, Michael. I don't want to be presumptuous. I've only known you for a half an hour, but it seems to me like there's two parts of your brain: a very creative side, and then a very uh, 
kind of focused diligent side and and, and am i incorrect on this no i think you're quite quite perceptive and and so then you're trying to do those both at the same time and you find that cooking something that uses science exact measurements you know things have to be right plus it allows you to be creative correct is it is that some part of what you enjoy about it that is Spot on okay. what I enjoy about so it. So you're in Vermont. You're in Vermont for two years, and then you make some stuff with Jerry and figure out how much Michael J. Fox makes, and then what do you do? Then I go to New York City. Why wouldn't you, right? You're close it, enough. It, it, you can you take know, the train, right? You can take the train. <laughs> and that's the that would, you know that's the culinary capital of the United sure. States. absolutely. Or someone say the world. And what'd you do there? You get off the train. Did you take it? Did you literally take a train? No, I drove. Okay, you drove. You're coming across the bridge. You're going into New York City. How old are you? Uh, at this point, I am 24, 25. 24, 25. You're coming off the bridge, going into New York City. And how long before you got mugged? I uh, didn't. But driving, okay. across, <laughs> driving across that bridge is one of the best experiences of my life. Because that, in that instant of hitting the toll booth, mm. I learned how to operate in New York because I was driving a U-Haul. The toll collector says to me, is that U-Haul full or empty? And I, I'm from Kearney, Nebraska. I'm honest. I said, it's full. <laughs> and he looks at me again and he says, looks, points at the sign for the different fares. And he says, is it full or empty? Mm. And I said, um, empty. <laughs> So how much do you owe the state of New York? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I owe them $25. $25. Okay. I'm sure you paid them back in, in, in spades because uh, you're living in New York City and, and paying $25 for a hamburger. So you get into uh, New York City. You got your U-Haul. I'm assuming there's a closet apartment that you're living in. Exactly. And uh, you're, you're paying way too much for a closet apartment. Yes. And what year is this again? This would have been... Uh, early 90s so giuliani what, time and what yeah. borough are we talking uh i am in uh chelsea uh so in manhattan okay how long are you there uh there for a couple years what did you do when you were there i worked in restaurants and fry stuff did you get beyond that I, I'm assuming uh, fry prep, some kind of prep uh, thing. No, my my uh, knowledge, I'm I'm limited to Anthony Bourdain. I and, got and, I got beyond that. Okay. Uh, um, Worked at, you know, that that's one of the nice things about uh, being a chef. Uh, when you're starting out, you're if you're at a place for longer than a year, six months to a year, you've been there too long. Oh, okay. Because you, you're supposed to be a sponge at this point, um, working for really quality people. Okay, so it's kind of a residency. So yeah, like the yeah. sous chef side where you're you take it in and then the head chef teaches you what he knows and then you move and on and go to the next on. one. Yes, exactly. And that's what you did there. You that's, kind of that's four to six did. months, four to six months, and mm-hmm. just you bounce. Yes. Okay. And is there a, a group of, I mean, I'm assuming like-minded people that you met? Oh, yeah. There's, uh, you know, some of my classmates from, from Vermont are in the city uh, and and, you know, people coming up chefs coming up at the same time you know that there's a good network there in early 90s i mean there's a a, we're not supposed to talk about politics but there's a political revolution going on and on a national level and you're in kind of the heart of that city so is it is it an interesting time there in your two years it is and it is uh but you're also trying to trying to make a dent in the trying to make an impression Mm. um so there's not a lot of time to stop and smell the roses or the newsprint. You're working all the time. Working all and the time. Staying up late. Yes. Having fun with your friends. Exactly. So you did that two years? I did. Then you went to Germany to study your German more? Or no, you? then I went to, you know, I got that. Um, you know, I, I'm a Midwestern boy. Uh, and the, to be honest, the, the nonstop got to me. Sure. Uh, so, and when I do things, I kind of tend to do things big. So I said, well, where's the furthest place that I can go? <laughs> and that was right when Seattle was taken off. Everyone sure. wanted to go. So I went to Seattle. And uh, in Seattle, early 90s, Tony, this would have been a grunge kind of time. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I appreciate it. A lot I of really, flannel. Lot, if lot if of you haven't guitars. noticed, I need a lot of lot lessons of when we're talking about <laughs> movies, music, culture. Well, uh, anything. yeah, Seattle was a very big okay. thing at the time. Good. Um, and uh, that was 
probably even cooler than New York. I would I would assume at that it, time it, it was, and it was it was actually kind of refreshing because uh, you know I didn't just jump in and and wasn't the boss, the chef at where I went, uh, but my there's a whole different ethos on the West Coast. Uh, Michael, we're going to need you to work more than 40 hours this week. Is that okay? And this is coming mm-hmm. from New York where you're used to 80 plus right. hours a week. And, and there's three guys waiting for your job if you don't show up. Uh, so that whole West Coast vibe, I completely immersed myself in that. And how long are you in Seattle? Uh, then I'm in Seattle for another couple of years. And then what do you do? And then I come back to Kearney. What brought you back to Kearney? Uh, family. Um, I know we're not supposed to get dark, but you know, I think it's a classic story. Uh, a parent or a loved one gets ill and, sure. and you come, everyone comes home and I just chose not to leave. How long have you been here? I have been back in Kearney. My goodness, math. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to take my shoes off to count. <laughs> to count. I've been back for, for quite a number of years, over 15 years, over 15 years. And in the time where you were away and you went to New York and then you went to Seattle, you crisscrossed America and then you came back to the heart of America. Did you see any differences in Kearney? Uh, immediately no. Okay. But, but it t- sometimes it takes time to open your eyes back up to what you've got. Absolutely. Um, what, I assume you love Carney. I do. What do you love about Carney? I love that it'll embrace, we're in the middle of cow and corn country and that it will embrace falafel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, different we seem that we as a community seem to be very open to different, different things. And I, I really enjoy that about this town. I'm not going to disagree with that. Tony, would you disagree with that? No, it's hundred percent accurate. Okay. Michael Park, what do you do? You're the head of this. Uh, how do you get to your business? How do we get to that? How do we get to that? Well, did you I, cook when you got back here? You're like, well, I can cook. Let me go cook somewhere. I did. I had a little, I had a little place, uh, in down near downtown uh, in an old building. Um, I called it restaurant vintage park. Uh, and I tried to make a go of that, but the timing, it was, it's just a, a question of timing. Sure. And it was, uh, too small to survive. How's that? I tried to get, I tried to do the chic New York boutique type thing and we just weren't, it just wasn't, wasn't the right time for right. that. Okay. And so you did that a little while I and did then that and, uh, well, just my whole resume here. I, I taught language arts at the high school level for about combined about eight years. I worked at, uh, for a large healthcare organization in town as their chef. Um, but I've always come back to, I wanted to do something on my own where I could make the decisions so michael just so you realize most people when we go through the resume it's like a minute just so you understand <laughs> it was i don't think that was as much us as it was you no, 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 it was awesome good, it right. was just incredibly interesting but yeah usually the resume takes a little less time. so then at some point you go well i'm good at food I and am. and i've seen a truck and i know that i can put those two together somehow yes. how did that come about that was uh that's that that whole cultural phenomena of the food truck sure and and i I bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. I love the whole ethos, that whole gypsy. It comes where you are. I can go where I want. I'm not tied down. There's no rent. Exactly. There's no man. I can go park on this corner, and I can feed the masses. Exactly. That's the dream. The reality is somewhat (laughs) different, but... That's often the case. So uh, what year did you start the food truck? I started the food truck in 2015. And um, where did you get the truck? The truck was uh, actually uh, had the truck fabricated in El Paso, Texas. It added like a food truck making uh, facility? That's what they do, yes. They oh. do like two or three trucks a year. So you're online like picking out We're what do- you I'm, I'm doing, yeah, working with these people with the design of the kitchen, of the interior of the truck, uh, the the look of the, of the wrap that we put on it, uh, you know, everything was a, a collaboration and um so you you built it to your specifications 
has it continually met your specifications or is there one corner that always gets your hip and you say why did i do that no it's it's actually it's actually it's like the tardis it's bigger inside <laughs> That's Doctor Who reference. That's, Thank that's, you. Yeah. you. Could you see the blank look over here? <laughs> that's very good. Okay. So, uh, how did you decide, and and how do you decide what you're going to make? You mentioned that you know uh, people out here in corn and beef are like falafel. I'll try falafel. You know, uh, and oh, and I will tell you, everyone who's had your falafel comes back to your falafel. So, I, there's something either special about your falafel or something that people don't recognize in falafel in this community uh, that they probably should. But anyway, how do you decide what you do for this community food-wise? Well, um, I'm actually quite selfish about that because uh, it's, I just do what I want to do. Um, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. There are a few constants that I have that I that I will, will always make. Um, uh, the, another cultural reference here, a movie, uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Sure, yeah. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Check it out. <laughs> I, I honestly, I dream in food. Okay. Um, so I will go to sleep at night, and that's when I decide what I'm going to make. And you're like, mm. what's something Carney hasn't embraced that they should? Something you've made, and you're like, how are you guys not embracing this? Pork belly. It's a bad name. It's a bad it, name. It is do we a just bad name. do we just need to nickname it it's, something? You know, Thick some people bacon. call it bacon, but uh, you know, <laughs> you can do so much more with it. But some, oh, it's too much fat, and you know, you'll eat eight pieces of bacon in the morning. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's just it, it is a process. It's just introducing people to is, things. Is is pork belly big somewhere else? Is it big in any area of the? I mean. South, southeast. Oh, I, I'm sure you know in the south and in a lot of the Asian cultures, okay. it's it's a big thing. Okay. Like there's a there's a beautiful uh, dish for the Chinese New Year that involves pork belly that's cooked for twelve hours. So they slow cook bacon. They boil it first, then they fry it, then they soak it in ice water for twelve hours, then they steam it for six to eight hours. Beautiful. What's it you, like? What is that? What does that do it to is, it? It is just—it's the most beautiful dish. It's slow food, it? slow food, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. and taking your time to do something right. Yeah, and you also do, and I've noticed this too. Um, when I'm being good, I see that you do like cauliflower pizzas and and keto diets and I stuff. Do. And, yeah, and, and is that for yourself? And and just there, there's a certain segment of this society that I'm sure would embrace that. Both, you know that 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 came up by uh, talking to some customers and I wasn't always the svelte person. <laughs> it is a shame that this is just a podcast. Um, I started doing this, this little, this keto diet uh, a few months ago. And I, I said, you know, I'm making this food. I might as well try to sell it. And you don't well. do the normal. I mean, you come up with some pretty creative things as far as, as, as keto stuff that you do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And are you it, marketing that to the group? I mean, are you finding ways to <coughs> let people in the community know that you well, are pushing I, that a little I bit? Post, I post my, my menu on, on social media every day, or I try to, some days I forget, <laughs> um, you know, and, and so I've got a, a, a cadre of, of customers that, if I don't, they say, well, they'll call me. What's the keto special today? I, I really want that. But, you know, I, I, I do believe in, uh, in um, you know, catering to different people's tastes. Uh, I do a lot of gluten-free things. I, you know, I take into account people's food allergies or, or whatever. And I'm always open for requests. So you're not, uh, and this is going to get political. Are you ready? Yeah. And it's a Seinfeld yeah. reference. So um, I know what that one is. Soup Nazi would be what you would think of when somebody has control over the environment. And it's it's sort of uninviting, right? Because right. you're thinking like, well, this guy's so passionate about it. I don't want to like freak him out and say, I don't want to say gyro in front of him. You know, I don't want to say a follow awful and have him have him kick me out of the house. So how how do you embrace that kind of uh, uh, part of the community that might want to try a falafel but not know how to say it? You know, you they do their best. And you just, you. Often... I'm assuming you're totally fine with that. Just oh, come yeah. in and try I, it. I, I am. You want them to try it, right? Exactly. They might love it. Exactly. How, how fun is getting that guy that, let's stereotype just a touch, that comes from the farm, never's had half of what's on your menu because it doesn't come from a cow, and they try 
the falafel. They tried the pork belly the first time, and you're like, that's another side of food. That's food. That's that, a whole different thing that you don't get, and they're blown away. How much reward? How much reward is to that? You get a lot. I, I I get a lot of personal satisfaction from that. And when they come back the next time, and say, "Man, can I have that falafel again?" That that's great for me. Um, you know, high five, mission accomplished. Is that why you do it here? I th- I think that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, is that why? Is that what part of what draws you back is that you get to introduce people to stuff that they won't get anywhere else? Where you go to New York, and I can I can go on any street corner and find something. Seattle's the same way. I've been there. Here, you. I mean, we're starting to get some of the outside, but is it bringing people something that they never had a chance to do? Is that part of the reason you're here? Yes, I I, I think so. Okay. So you have this truck that you got from El Paso, Texas, and you go and you go, okay, now what? I really am curious about this. How do you, is, is Carney like, okay. Cause I saw some of the stuff in the hub about how, you know, you, there was maybe not necessarily resistance, but there, there were some things that needed to be tweaked out regulation wise, right? Yeah. There, you know, every community has, has their rules on, sure. on where, what's allowed and what's not allowed. Um, and you know it was it was not as easy as I thought it would be, and the, it's always a compromise. Uh, it, but it made me change my business model a little bit. Where you know I had a dream that I'm just going to park here and everyone's going to show up and it's going to be you know rainbows and sunshine. Um, but you know, having actually to have to work through the the bureaucracy somewhat, um, put it in, into a little bit more more perspective, and it actually made me sharpen that my uh, how I was running the the business. And so, rather than go park and hope for the best, I tend to just go where go to events now and. I run breakfast and lunch out of the out of the cafe on Second Avenue. On Second Avenue, and then do catering and uh, and run the truck in the evening. And then in, in in the summertime, there's Thursday night in the downtown there's, destination downtown. Yeah, there's the the night markets. Night market, um, uh, which is not destination. It is night market. Yeah, I was which, confusing. Uh, and then there's you had mentioned earlier, like the. Uh, Concerts in the park on yeah. Sundays, um, all of those things uh, kind of they they support the food truck, um, for lack of a better term, the food truck community in in town. Sure, well. and there is a community now yes. uh, of those uh, type of service organizations or service. Uh, places. Were you were you one of the first food trucks? I, there's because there's three or four, right? Yeah, I was one of the first. I think I was maybe the second or third, actually. Okay. Michael, I have to ask you, because I would be wrong if I didn't ask you, um, what's your favorite food? I was trying to stay away from that one because I assume he gets it so often. I, I was know. trying to avoid I it. I want to know. I knew I needed it too. Um, favorite meal or favorite food? Favorite meal. Last meal. What is it? La- and, and are you cooking it yourself? Last me- No. That is one of the sheer joys of being a chef. And people are always freaked out. I don't want to invite you because I don't want to cook for you. Anything that <laughs> anything that a chef does not have to cook is deeply, deeply appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny's veal in uh, Zurich, Switzerland. This is the last meal. Yeah, they make these veal chops, and you know they're just they're as big as a veal chop can get. Uh, that would be my. That's that, it. That would be yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's like okay. and it's a trip to Switzerland. Well, yeah, yeah those two together. What about around here? Something that I I don't want you to promote other people, but something that you go how, community or Carney try this that you've seen. Something that you can only Any, get in Carney, maybe anywhere half hour, hour around, just something different that um, you've tried that's been really good. You know, any any number of the the small home bakers that are that are trying to do their stuff like kolaches uh you know you just gotta appreciate someone the artisanship of, of somebody making something um yeah that, that would be it we and, didn't touch anything on your german uh background and i'm sorry about that have you been to germany i have yes. did you speak german to all the people nine 
Nine. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, okay, now Judy, please come back closer to the microphone. Okay. I want. I this is this is where we talk about things. Uh, we've talked about Carney. We talked about what we like Carney. How does Carney work? What do we think outside the box, Michael? Uh, Judy's already touched on it a little bit, but I want to know from your perspective, like what makes Carney work? I think that the the fact that Carney works. Um, well, Judy talked about that, that everyone coming together and we were trying, you were trying to figure out why it's because we had three, cha- three channels on the TV and Saturday morning cartoons. We would watch the, what was it? Kalaka it means cooperation. It was one of the little hmm. in between cartoon things with Noah and the ark and all the animals saying Kalaka means cooperation because we could, co- we cooperate as a community. Okay, do you th- you're mentioning three channels, so that restriction built community. I th- I think so, yeah. So now that I can literally go on my phone, which is six inches away from me at all times, and and see any type of music, any type of video, any type of Netflix movie, I can see at the touch of uh, touch of a button, not even a button. Like, is that a bad thing for community? I don't think so because I think I think after a while. Carney, let's just take Carney because it's what I know. It becomes tradition, becomes ingrained, and all of those things. Now we can go, hey, we can Google that a that cartoon time filler that was talking about cooperation. <laughs> and it's still there. Uh, so, no, I, I think it just... The, no, okay, but wasn't it more fun to fight in a room about what it was called with a bunch of your friends? Oh, yeah, yeah. So is it, it which one's better and which one supports community? I honestly, I'm going to, I sound old, but I think the, uh, the old way sound uh, supports community. Do you think maybe there's a pendulum switch? Maybe, maybe it goes too far the other way and then we go, okay, well maybe we need to get back to talking to each other. I think so. I think we always have readjustments like that. Judy, anything? Yeah, I mean, I I think we pick on the young people about using technology, but I see a lot of people my age that are stuck to that darn smartphone. And um, I've seen more and more people stacking their phones when they go to a restaurant so they talk and not touch it until the meal's over or put it in their purse or their car or somewhere so they just connect. And I think that's the challenge. And for some reason, I think Carney's good at that. Even if they have a phone in their hand, they do look up, they do listen. Um, and I know that seems super simplistic, but I just think it really is, I think we're good listeners. We're not just head nodders. Um, I just talked about that with a gentleman today that came in, um, and, and he's a great donor in the community. And, and it's just we got to listen to what's being said and what's not being said. I think that's the challenge. And I think Carney's just really good about some of the unspoken things and just the initiative to get things done, whether you're a for-profit guy that wants to find a niche in the community and, and make something different, you know, as far as a product or a service, and the same with your nonprofits. But our, I, I do want people to have their phone, but they can still listen. Just listen to us because yeah. we, cause we, sure, cause we will share stuff about the community. Let's do a would you rather real quick, okay? Let's do it. I want to do it. All right. Just these two this time. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Because, <laughs> you know, you've yeah. done you've done. I've done before. it. Okay. I'm not very good at it. Would you rather, this is going to be so fun because he's philosophy guy. I'm philosophy guy too, by the way, uh, undergrad. Excellent. It's fun. We can talk about Kant, I guess, if you want to. Um, begin every sentence with according to my calculations or end every sentence with just kidding. Uh, the floor is open for questions. You can ask as many questions as you want and then you can make a decision, but you don't announce your decision yet. So you can just ask questions. Are we following? Not entirely. Okay. You can ask <laughs> questions about it and I'll limit it, but you don't say which one you want until the floor is closed for questions. This is the only would you rather game where there's like rules, just so you know. <laughs> okay. You can ask questions about it. Okay. Okay. Any questions? Or do you already decide? The options are. The, okay. Would you rather begin every sentence with according to my calculations, according to my calculations, every sentence, or end every sentence with just kidding? Just kidding. That's how I'd like to do it. Floor's closed. The floor's closed. Floor's closed. Fine, Judy, I'll, I'll allow you that. <laughs> uh, the floor is closed. So just kidding is what you want to end with. But you know you have to do the voice. You have to change the inflection. Just, <laughs> just kidding. kidding. Just kidding. Every, every time. single time. T- little head tilt every time. See, Michael's thinking about this. I like this. I, I'm going to have to go with according to my calculations. Why? 
Do you know how snooty you would sound at, in the food truck? You're like, well, according to my calculation, that'll be five dollars and seventy-one cents. I've found myself saying that so many times in my life, and I'm an idiot. My calculations don't mean anything. Yeah, we saw you take your shoes off to get up to fifteen over there earlier. <laughs> so, Judy, why would you go with just kidding? I just think there's a spirit of levity. I think people need to be fun. I think adults take ourselves too serious, and I think it's fun to be silly and sarcastic and then follow it up with just kidding. We find him guilty, just kidding. It's kind of a scary thing to say. You know when I end up that, do you? I I didn't even know what you were saying. I was kind of zone out. Half the time I zone out right at the end when you start talking. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Thanks for Thanks having for us. Thanks for inviting us. very good. Very good. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Hey, we're done. This is Carney Pie. I'm John Brandt. Tony Purvis. This is a He He Do It production. Production of Sewa Industries. Did you just have to look up what the name of your own company was? Just asking. No, there's no company. Okay. Well, production company. Someday when we do a reflection, I'll tell you what that means, <laughs> but not right now.